The title of today's message is Recharging and Reaching Out. We've probably all had it happen. Sometimes, in fact, usually it seems like it's when we're in a hurry to get somewhere. Seems like it's on the coldest of cold mornings. You get up, it might still be dark out, and you go to start your car to get it warmed up for the day, and all you hear is that awful sound, click, click, the battery's dead. Might happen for whatever reason, maybe you have an old battery, maybe if, as in my household, uh, a child had turned on a dome light in the back and didn't turn it off before they got out the night before and all of a sudden you find yourself with a dead battery in the morning. It's an awful feeling and you have to take the time to recharge the battery and get it working again in proper order. Well, the same is true of Jesus spiritually, that even though he was God, God in flesh, he was still man. He was still a human as well. And we sometimes, as we've said, and we'll see throughout this, sometimes we underemphasize the human nature of Jesus. And, and Jesus gave himself to ministry, poured himself out. And we saw last week the incredibly busy day he had, um, healing, preaching in the synagogue, and working with his disciples. And now we find out in Mark chapter 1, verse 35, that he needed some alone time. He needed some time to recharge his batteries. And so if you're filling in the notes as we go along, we see Jesus here at the start of this passage recharging. Verse 35 says, And rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place. And there he prayed. Jesus made time to get alone with the Father. There is so much that we can learn from this passage, but I want you to just note a few things about Jesus' quiet time with his heavenly Father. First of all, Jesus got up early. Jesus got up early. It says in, the, in, my, in my copy of my translation here, it says rising very early. It could be translated exceedingly early. <laughs> Jesus got up before any of his other disciples were stirring, before anybody, any of the action had started for the day, he got up very, very early. Now, the Bible does not actually require us to get up early to worship and commune with God. But I've discovered that for most of us, that's going to be best. Now, I realize that sometimes work schedules, and, and if you work second shift, or you, you have things going on late at night, sometimes things affect that. But when we take time to get up early, it does several things. First of all, it lets us, it lets us start our day off right. I don't know about you guys, but I can notice a distinct difference. My family can notice a distinct difference. If I don't start my day off with the Word of God, if I don't take time to get alone with the Lord, to pray, to be with Him, my day starts off on the wrong foot. And it doesn't actually, like I said, Scripture doesn't require us to do that. But we, we also, um, when we do that, we, secondly, we have a better chance of being alone. It tells us that Jesus got alone. It says that he went out, he found a desolate place. He went outside of town, 
And the, the word could be translated wilderness, the same word that was used when we saw his temptation a few weeks ago, that he was taken out in the wilderness. He got out in a place where nobody else was there to distract him. And finally, Jesus got focused. Jesus, Jesus got focused. It says he went out there with a purpose. He went out there to pray. I don't know about you, but if, if this thing right here is within arm's reach while I'm doing my, my, my quiet time with the Lord, I can get very easily distracted because all of a sudden I think, I'm just going to look up a scripture verse real quick. Um, I actually have my prayer list on here. And so sometimes when I open up my prayer list, all of a sudden I'll think, I wonder, I never looked to see if the Spartans won last night. And then before you know it, there's email, there's Facebook, there's sports, there's news. Maybe some important things that are, that are somewhat essential to our day. Maybe we want to find out what the weather's like. Did it snow last night? What's the forecast today? What's it, what do I need to dress for? And all of a sudden, our focus gets shifted to something else. Distractions abound. But when we take time to intentionally get alone with the Lord, find that quiet place, and listen, listen, I know that some, for some of us, it's really hard. We're still in the, in the little kid stage. Sometimes they get up earlier than what we uh, would like them to, and, and, and all of a sudden we've got a, a three-year-old running around while we're trying to, to, to read in the morning and, and have a quiet time of prayer. I, I know that it can be a lot of work. I know that it can take discipline. But as I've said before, I've discovered this in life, and I, and I hate to admit this. I hate to admit this, but I've found this to be true. If it's really important to me, I make time for it. If it's really, really important to me, if I really want to know what the Tiger score was last night, I'm going I'm to take time and I'm going to look it up. If I really want to check out the status of, of that order I placed on Amazon and to see where it's being shipped and where it's at and when it's arriving, I'll make time to get on the computer and do that. If it's important to, to give a friend a phone call and check in on them, I'll find time to do that. We make time for the things that are really, really important to us. And when, when these times of quietness and aloneness with God get left by the wayside, it reveals to us, I know this might step on some toes, but it reveals to us just how important God truly is to us. If we can't make time for Him, but we can find time for, for Facebook or our, our favorite hobby or Extra extracurricular activities. It reveals just how high of a priority Jesus is in our life. And for Jesus, it was a matter of absolute necessity that he get alone with the Father. He knew he couldn't go out and do the things that God wanted him to do without these times to recharge his batteries, to plug in, to connect with God. And if Jesus Christ needed it, how much more do we need it? We dare not try to strike off into ministry. We dare not face the challenges that are going to come at us this week without getting alone and being with God. Now, we, we could spend a lot of time talking about what that quiet time looks like, and, and that might be for another day. If any of you have questions or want to know, I, I, I make the time. I just don't know what to do when I'm alone. I'd be happy to talk with you. But Jesus found time 
to get alone, to recharge his battery. And he prayed. He prayed to God. You ever, you ever think about what Jesus prayed for? He, he didn't have to worry and, and, and pray about uh, any sins he was struggling with. You ever wonder what he talked to the Father about in these quiet times? Because it was frequent if you look throughout any of the Gospels. Mark doesn't record as many as, as Luke But if you read the Gospels, you'll see that he made times, get alone on the mountainside, get up early, go to the garden, and he prays. I'm sure he he prayed for strength. I'm sure he asked God to enable him to handle the the attacks that were going to come upon him, the demands for his attention and time. It says the disciples found him In verse 36, and Simon and those who were with him searched for him. And they found him and said to him, everyone is looking for you. There's a tone of rebuke in their voice. Come on, what are you doing out here? There's stuff to do. There's people that need you. What are you doing out here playing out in the desert? Come on, Jesus, let's get to work. Some of you, you know that spirit. You're doers. You like to get stuff done. When the alarm rings in the morning, you hit the ground running. You're ready to go. And you do it until it's time to lay your head on the pillow. And you can understand with the disciples. I understand about all this, this quiet prayer time stuff, but there is work to do after all. And Jesus knew that there would always be work to do. He knew that there would always be people clamoring for his attention. And if he neglected this time alone with the Father, he was going to be in trouble. There will always be someone, and maybe it's yourself, who will insist that it is more important to be doing stuff for God instead of being with God. Both are necessary. Both are commanded. But you have to get them in the right order. And being with God needs to come before doing stuff for God. So Jesus took time to recharge. So secondly, that he could reach out. So that he could reach out. And so, in this instance, Jesus doesn't uh, rebuke his disciples for, um, for coming to find him. In other places, he will. But here he does not. And so verse 38 says, He said to them, Let us go out to the next towns, that I may preach there also, for that is why I came out. And he went through all Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and casting out demons. So they set out, and he says, The reason we're going to go to these towns is so that I may preach there also, for that is why I came out. Meeting the physical needs of the people was important. It's, it's one, one of the things that God calls us to, but Jesus knew his first task was to preaching. The gospel message had to precede the healings, the demons being cast out, because he knew, even if the people didn't know, he knew what they needed most. You see, if you, if you go out to do ministry today, And you ask those whom you're ministering to, what what do you need the most? 
probably their focus is going to be on their physical needs. That's what's in front of us. That's, that's probably where their thoughts are going to go to. We need food. We need, we need our health. We need our problems fixed. And Jesus cared very much about those things, but he knew first and foremost that their problems were not physical, their problems were spiritual. And he says, I'm here to preach the gospel. That is why I came. They need to know the good news about me. That I came to, I am here, I'm coming to die for them. I'm coming to save them. <laughs> Sometimes as conservative Christians and, and, and growing up in conservative Christian circles, I saw this firsthand. We will focus on the spiritual to the exclusion of the physical. That we focus on simply giving the gospel. That is why, you know, as I, as I grew up, I remember a lot of times of, of handing out tracts, going places and handing out tracts. Not talking to the people and getting to know where they're at and what, what their struggles are and entering into the, to their lives and finding out what's really going on in their lives, but just, hey, this is what they need. Give them the word. Here's the word. Here's the word. Here's the word. And that's, that's good. But we shouldn't neglect the other. So conservative Christians sometimes tend to err on, on just focusing on, 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 on the spiritual. And, and, and liberals tend to focus maybe more on, on just meeting the physical. Just, just feeding. Getting clean water. Taking care of the, the physical needs. But, but when you look at Jesus' ministry, he did both. But the he put a priority first and foremost on taking care of spiritual needs. And so we come, though, to his encounter with this man that is known only as the leper. Verse 40 says, And the leper came to him, imploring him, and kneeling, said to him, If you will, you can make me clean. This man had a disease that the Bible calls leprosy. Now, you should know that the Bible uses the term leprosy to, to refer to a wide variety, maybe as many as 72 different skin diseases. So this man may or may not have what we know of today as Hansen's disease, um, but whatever his, his, his skin ailment, it was serious. Some things I read this week will give us a little background as to his situation. Leviticus 13 and 14 describe in detail the woeful status of lepers and the law concerning leprosy. If you were a Jew in the ancient world and you woke up one morning with a strange appearance on your skin, it would strike terror in your heart because you knew what was going to happen in the following days and weeks. First, you were required to go to the priests. Excuse me, who using the guidance of God's word would determine whether the outbreak on your flesh was, was a harmless skin affliction or whether it was really leprosy. If it was leprosy, it not only meant that you had a dreadful physical malady that probably would be with you the rest of your life, it was the worst possible announcement that you could hear with respect to your fellowship in your home, the community, and the assembly of God's people. It meant that if you were found out to have leprosy, you were deemed not to be just unwell, but unclean. Leprosy had no cure in the ancient world, so lepers were cast out of the covenant community. You were not allowed near the temple. You could not enter the gates of Jerusalem. 
You had to live alone without the fellowship of family members and friends. It was an awful situation. You usually wore tattered clothes. You had unkempt hair. It was necessary to cover the lower portion of your mouth so you could be noticed from a distance as a leper. You were not allowed to come within 50 paces of another human being. And if you saw anyone else approaching, you had to cry out, Unclean! Unclean! Lest you spread your contamination. To be a leper was to be the ultimate pariah in the household of Israel. It changed your life completely. You were on the outside. You lived a humiliating life. And as a leper, we're left with a sense of hopelessness. You know, leprosy, even though it's a physical disease in the Bible, it's, it's a picture, really, of, of our spiritual condition before we encounter Christ. The Bible says that our sin is something that separates us from God. Just like those lepers had to live on the outside of the covenant community, we are, our sin makes it so that we can't approach God. We are unclean because of our sinfulness. And the thing is that without God's intervention, we are left absolutely hopeless. There's no other cure. There's no way we can fix ourselves. Nothing. We're in a hopeless situation unless God intervenes. This man found himself in a hopeless situation, but God chose to intervene. It says, that the leper initiated the conversation and he implored him. The, the word just means to beg. He knew that Jesus was his only hope. And that's the only way that we can be made spiritually clean is if we come to God and say, God, I can do nothing to fix my problem. I've got one hope and one hope alone and it's you. And this leper knew that about his condition. And I love what it says In verse 41, moved with pity, moved with compassion, he stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I will be clean. (laughs) Jesus' affections were stirred. His heart was moved with compassion. You know, so many of us, we look on people in need and we look down our noses at them for whatever reason. Maybe, maybe their appearance, their, their smell. Maybe it's their life condition. Maybe we look at the choices they've made and, 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 and we look down at them. But not Jesus. The, the, the normal Jewish person would have recoiled. What are you doing? What are you doing so close to me? Get out of here. That wasn't Jesus' reaction. He was moved with compassion. His, his heart was stirred. That word means to experience great affection for someone. His heart went out. He, he empathized with the man. He resonated with the, the hurt that he was feeling. He understood what it was like to be a reject. And he was going to know in a very real way in, in just a couple of short years what it was like For no one to stand beside you. And his heart went out to the man. And he says, 
He reached out and touched him. Could Jesus have healed him without touching him? Yeah, of course he could have. But he let the man know that, that he cared about him with a touch. He got, got close to this man. He didn't worry about what other people were thinking. He didn't worry about the, the in fact, the, the, the rules and regulations here. He, he, just, he went to the man and he touched him. And he healed him. <laughs> it says he was made well immediately. Immediately the leprosy left him and he was made clean. Jesus' healing was total and it was immediate. So you see here that Jesus' time alone with the Father, it was purposeful. He wasn't just soaking in the presence of God just to enjoy it. <laughs> I've seen people like that, that, that are involved in like 42 Bible studies during the week and are at church every day of the week and, and, and are constantly listening to sermons on the radio. And, and it all sounds super spiritual, but all they're doing is soaking and they're not, they're not giving. They're not going out and being with people. They're not going out and, and, and touching those that nobody wants to be with. Jesus' is, Jesus is recharging time was for a purpose, so that he could reach out. And as Christians, we need to have that balance. We need to make sure we're recharging, and we need to make sure that we're reaching out. We can't have one without the other, or we'll have a skewed perspective of the Christian life. And Jesus says something interesting to the man. It says, Jesus sternly charged him and sent him away at once and said to him, see that you say nothing to anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded for a proof to them. So Jesus did not want this man to spread the news. Now, the first time I read that as I was preparing for, for this, I thought, what in the world? Come on, why, don't you want the word out? Don't you want as many people as possible to know what's going on, what you've been doing? I mean, you or I, if we did something like that, if we had the power to heal a, a lifelong ailment like that, we wouldn't mind a little publicity, a little press. But here Jesus, Jesus had a reason for challenging him. It said he, he sent him off to the priest instead, which was, as we read before, you can read it in Leviticus 13 and 14. That's the process for being declared clean. And so he said, go to the priest. But verse 45 says, the man went out and began to talk freely about it and to spread the news so that Jesus could no longer openly enter a town, but was out in desolate places and people were coming to him from every quarter. Ah, so now it makes sense. Jesus had a reason for telling him to kind of keep this to himself because Jesus did, was not after a rock star celebrity status. And because this man did not obey Jesus and instead started spreading the news, it prohibited Jesus from doing ministry in places he wanted to do ministry. It says he could no longer openly enter a town because every time he went to a place, he just was flocked. Do you know that sometimes God tells us to do things that we don't understand why? We just need to obey. <laughs> this guy probably thought that he walked away from Jesus thinking, that doesn't make sense. I'm going to tell everybody I know about this. He doesn't know what he's talking about. Sometimes you read something in the, in the Word. Sometimes you hear something preached on a Sunday morning. And you think, uh, 
I know what it says, but I don't know. It seems like it's better to do this. <laughs> just listen to God. <laughs> All right, just listen and obey. Don't try to do your own thing. Young people, I'm, I'm talking to you guys especially right now. There are times when you will hear things from your parents and you think that they are in outer space, that their aliens have snatched your parents away and, and you have no idea why they're making this rule or why they're telling you you can't do this and, or you need to do this. and It doesn't make any sense. Just, just step out on faith, even if you don't understand, and obey. Just listen. Young adults, be willing to listen to the counsel of those who have gone before you. Those with gray hair or little hair know what they're talking about. Even if you think you've got it figured out, even if you're sure this is the right thing to do, isn't it obvious? Listen to some wisdom. Because even if it doesn't make sense in the moment, often it will later on. <laughs> and this guy thought he knew what he was doing. He thought he knew better than Jesus. And in the long run, it, it, it affected the way that Jesus was able to minister in some of the towns in the communities. We shouldn't fall into the subtle trap that pride tells us that we know better than God because we don't. So we see here at the close of chapter 1 that Jesus spent his time recharging and reaching out. And I wonder this morning if, uh, if God's speaking to your heart, reminding you about uh, one of those aspects. Uh, in the Christian life, it's often easy to get out of balance, and, and maybe one of those is out of balance in your life. Are you taking time to recharge? Are you taking time to get alone with God? Listen, fight for this time. Do whatever you can. I, I know, I think I've shared this before. I still remember times, you know, my, my mom had, had four boys. My parents had four boys just like we do. And I still remember times uh, where, where I would wake up uh, too early and I'd be walking out there and I'd see my mom on the couch with her Bible open and she'd just look up and say, uh-uh, not yet. <laughs> and now that I'm a parent, I understand that. Not just from a parenting perspective, but from a walk with God perspective. You've got to have that time. You've got to carve it out. Fight for it. Whatever, whatever way possible. Get alone with God daily. Recharge. And then secondly, are you using that charge to reach out? Are you just soaking it in for yourself, just to enjoy it, just to increase your Bible knowledge? Or then are you using that spiritual strength to go out and use your gifts to serve God and his people? Just like Jesus did. Make sure you take time this week to recharge and then to reach out. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we look at the example of the, the life and ministry of Jesus, we realize that even though as God, uh, he walked the earth and did miracles and did amazing things, as a human, he needed to get alone with you, to, to connect with you, and to commune with you. God, may we make that time of, of Bible study, of meditation upon your word, and of prayer an utmost priority. God, if there's idols in our life that have crowded that out, please reveal those to us so that we can, we can smash them by the power of your Holy Spirit. And make you the number one priority in our life. And then through the power of your spirit, may we be able to go out and to reach out 
to those around us. God, may we be willing to step outside of our comfort zone, to put our arm around someone in need, to weep with those who weep, to feed the hungry, to minister to the hurting. We thank you, God, that it's through your grace we can do these things. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.